Okay, so there's there there are two possibilities going on here. One, you're you're bringing up a term that I have never heard before. The the other possibility is that this is a term I've heard before, but it involves a language that uses pronunciation that's different from Latinate, and so you have no idea how to say it properly. An intensely 80s post-apocalyptic schlock film. Oh, and schlong film. You know, it's been over 20 years, but spoilers. Oh, okay, so so the resident Catholic thinking about that, we're going for low Earth orbit. There is no rational here. Blame it on me after. And you know I will. I mean, it is two o'clock in the fucking morning where I am. <laughs> I don't think you can get very much more homosexual panic than that. No, which I don't know if that's better. I mean, you guys are Catholics. You tell me. I'm just kind of excited that like you and producer George will have something to talk about that basically just means that I can show up and get fed. Fun, fun. We'll use the word fun of um, uh, trying to put together a a garage sale, or or not put together. My wife did all the all the planning, um, but we we tried to carry out a garage sale. And a couple of things: um, when you uh, actually spread all of your like shit you need to get rid of out on your front lawn. For the whole world to see, um, inevitably you wind up looking at it going, where did all of this come from? Like, how did I wind up accumulating this, this many like barnacles on the ship of my life? Like what, what the hell? Number one, number two, um, then strangers show up. And try to haggle with you over over the amount of money they want to pay for the shit you don't need. And and that is a really weird place to inhabit because on the one hand, like the logical part of my brain, every, literally every time it happened, every time somebody tried to haggle, a part of my brain was like, you know, I really don't care. I, I, you're doing me a favor by getting rid of it, but like, I don't want to just, I don't want to just let it go without, without getting something for it. Um, and, and then there was another part of my brain that was like, how very dare you, sir? How very dare you? Those are a dollar a piece. Yeah. I'm, I'm not letting you get that for 50 cents. Fuck you. My, my stuff, my stuff is not trash, sir. Never mind the fact that I'm trying to get rid of it. Like, it was, it was, it's a bizarre experience on a number of levels. Um, and then we, we had to, we had to pack it all in and bring it in because, um, we, we actually got the threat of rain 
in the afternoon, kind of kind of out of nowhere, which is weird enough based on on where we live. So yeah, it's it's been a very long day, um, and and an emotionally very weird one for me. So how about you? Well, I'm Damien Harmony. I am a U.S. history teacher up here in Northern California. Uh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So, Damn. Yeah. Like, we, on, on the one hand, you're down to one prep. So, uh, like... That's the devil's bargain. I was like, <laughs> you're going to do this? Fine. I prep one. Um, yeah. No, so it's... uh, that's That's been... Um, I mean, I've been... I don't know. I've been putting ice chips on Latin's mouth for the last year and a half. So now that, you know, we've we've seen the flat line. It's a bleak, bleak fucking image. I don't know what to tell you. I uh, mean, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. I know. But wow. Yeah. But yeah. So I am a U.S. history teacher. No longer Latin. Latin is gone. Um, it is another dead language. Um, again. Uh, so there's that. Um, and yet... In this season, there is also rebirth as of this recording, which I got a feeling people aren't going to hear it until August. But as of this recording, <laughs> um, my daughter is now 11. I have nobody in the house whose yeah. age you can count on just two hands. Uh, and so wow. for, for her 11th birthday, uh, her brother knocked it out of the park again. Last year, he got her the perfect gift. I forget what it is now. Um, this year he also got her the perfect gift. So like the cool shit that I got her, very cool shit, very cool thing. Um, but he got her essentially a red dragon's head that you mount on the wall and the eyes are LEDs that change color. And so she has come downstairs to tell me several times already today, cause we mounted it today. She came downstairs to tell me I jump scared myself again. <laughs> perfect yeah that's awesome yeah it was rad it was rad so yeah that's uh that's all the news is fit to print uh that doesn't involve legal action so uh so um i i I may i may need to bug you for the information about where your son found that oh sure for research for a friend Uh uh-huh uh-huh. Certainly not for the wall of my own office. Nope, certainly not. No, certainly not. Not at all. No. I don't see a perfect spot for it right there under the rafter. Yeah. So. Neither do I. <laughs> we we have a guest with us yet again because we are not done with this topic, and this topic is not done with us. Uh, please welcome back to the show, soon to be in like six years from now, uh, Doctor Andrew Sutherland, uh, now just known as Andrew <laughs> Sutherland. Andrew, welcome back. Hi there. Hey, it's a long time no see, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, hi. Uh, so what's been happening with me? Uh, first, let me introduce myself again. My name is Andrew Sutherland. I am a going into my second year of my PhD program where I study media literacy, uh, psychophysiology, and the cultic milieu. Um, and what's been going on with me? I'm going to kind of begin on like a more, not a happy note, but a sad note. Um Last week, I was helping my friend move, and I was I haven't been physically fit for a while. I I uh I felt sore Friday. I felt sore again, but it was fine. My parents came into town, and that was a, a delight. Uh, we got to visit. Uh, I showed them around campus, uh, where I go to school, and uh, they were just very impressed with it all. Um, and then Saturday came around. Um, I was walking my dog once I came home. My back just locked up. 
um i had a massive muscle spasm oh shit yeah it was um my you could grab my muscle and it was just a solid chunk and so yeah so i could move but it was incredibly painful uh then was this was this was this lower back middle lower back back, yeah lower back you could feel uh the pain mostly on my right side lower back and it ran down my leg um well sciatic i I could yeah yeah and um i could i i went through the day in pain my parents were helping me sunday morning rolled around and i couldn't get out of bed without like falling to the ground luckily shit luckily um i did a smart thing i guess where instead of like having a bedroom i made the living room my bedroom and made my bedroom my living room in my apartment and so i unlocked the door and just waited for my parents to help me (laughs) um and they took me to the doctor and (laughs) i got some good pain meds and some uh steroids muscle relaxers and stuff like that and as of, I want to say Wednesdays when I got m- felt much better, where I could, I didn't need to brace myself against um, oh, the wall to pick God. myself up. Wow! So, um, to to the audience, uh, drink more water and stretch before you uh, do physical activities. Yeah, specifically yeah. Good, stretch good, your good, hip good flexors. Yeah. Uh, those hip yeah. flexors, work yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Help a lot. Do lunges yeah. and lean into the hip part of the lunge. That's yep. yeah. My advice. Um, but, but the yeah. overall story is that the overall story is that um, I am incredibly grateful to my parents who came down to visit and they were excited to tour campus. And um, <laughs> I I felt bad because of the situation, but they had the best time. Still, they their favorite thing to do is help their kids. So well, that was a plus, you know, it was plus. an early, it was an early present for your dad. Right? Well, there it was go. his birthday. Oh, well, there you go. It wow. was his birthday that Sunday. So <laughs> I can go into more detail, but I don't want to traumatize you. Like I traumatized my parents there. Sure. Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. It turns Damn. out I, I, I had seasonal back issues. Apparently that's a thing. When you get to our age, um, and to the point where I had to call the security cart over to drive me to my car one day coming home uh, from work. Yeah, uh, I think that there is a differential, and I do not mean in any way to minimize what you went through, because it was the worst thing for you. Oh, no, um, it was bad. But There is a I... differential for parents. Like, it doesn't matter that you bet your back hurts. Like, you, you <laughs> oh, you have to walk hunched over oh, no. completely. I, okay, here you go. I, like, you are getting I out of bed. I fully agree with that. I fully yeah. agree with that. So, I'm, I'm glad for oh, you no. that, that you don't have to <laughs> muscle through that and, and wreck all the other muscles in the area because they're trying to pull the weight of your, yeah, that's, that's the arc. That's, that's the arc of, of trouble you get into when you when you have to when you have to keep your head down and power through yeah Yeah. but you know it it is Mm. funny that you mentioned steroids ah a segue i know i know where we're going oh we're gonna talk about dr george zahorian tonight oh see i thought we were gonna i i thought we were gonna be talking about baseball no no um no i'm talking about a legitimate i'm i'm out of it uh, professional wrestling. Ooh. So, uh, Ooh. Oh, 
man well, it's that it's, i wow. wrestling doesn't have any cheating in it i'll put it that way whereas baseball okay. has a lot right. of cheating and people aren't supposed okay. to throw the game um so. okay that's fair well All right. yeah wouldn't we wouldn't we consider a screw job cheating Yes, yes, we would. Yeah, I, yeah, we, yeah, we would have to. Yeah. We would have to. Uh, yeah. With with that being said, screw jobs are notable because they are they they are the deviation from the norm. Yeah. Whereas in baseball, you know, if if you get caught cheating, it's one of those like, well, you know, you got caught. It's yeah. okay to keep trying, you know, because yeah. they keep trying. So. Ah, well, so Dr. George Zahorian, who is an osteopath specializing in urology in the 1980s, was originally the Maine State Athletic Commission uh, appointed ringside physician. Um, So there's a state appointed athletic commission uh, ringside physician in Pennsylvania, and he's the main guy. Um, And he is because uh, you remember wrestling is kayfabe. So you have um, you have ringside physicians. You have an athletic commission where people have to register as wrestlers and pay for their wrestling license and pay for their manager's license as well. Like this is all you have to do this. And wrestling has to pay certain taxes, et cetera, et cetera, for their live events. There's all kinds of bureaucracy that go into athletic things. And since they're pretending to be true, since they're kayfabing it, Okay, pay your fucking toll. Um, so you have to have these people. Okay, so hold on. Okay, sorry, sorry. Um, in in the midst of all of that talking about kayfabe, mm. um, he's an osteopath who specializes in urology. Urology. So so he's yeah. a a bladder and 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 dick doctor mm-hmm. who is an osteopath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that just really Which kicks is... the piss out of you, right? <laughs> <laughs> that oddly, I'm not even mad about that. That's that's a good go. one. Well I... played. Thank but you. but like osteopathy is defined as a pseudoscientific system. Yes. Yes, yes. it is. So so <laughs> like like you 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 mentioned so he's he's a urologist. The first thing was, you know, urologist. I'm like, wait, mm-hmm. hold on. He's a ringside doctor. Yes, and he's and he's not even a uh, what what are the what are the actual carpenters uh, that work on to work on broken bones? Karen um, orthopedic surgeon. Or, thank you, thank yeah. you. He's not even he's not even orthopedics. He's yeah, he's, right. He's a, he's a urologist. Yes, and he's not even like a, a medical. He's an osteopath. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not the first like time how that how how many layers do kayfabe go through? He's Lots. a kayfabe doctor. Well, no, he is an like, actual MD. He's not like Dr. D. David Schultz. Okay. Um, he is an actual but, doctor who does wow. osteopathy. Um, this is not the first time pencil or this might this is not the only time, I'll put it that way, that Pennsylvania has put out a MD who went to osteopathy uh to make lots and lots of money. You might remember one of them ran for Senate last year in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Oh, I had forgotten he was an osteopath. He's yeah. Well, I mean, and uh, he, he's, he he's a cardiologist. He practices. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's a he's a practicing cardiologist who also tells women that their vaginas are self cleaning ovens. Mm-hmm. Yep. <sighs> and I will say, like, he is actually a phenomenal cardiologist. He just yes. he dives into pseudoscience stuff. Yes. Yeah. Um. 
I'm I'm so I think it's Pardon? so funny you brought up the urologist. Sure. Uh, my grandfather was an orthopedic surgeon, and his best friend was a urologist. And I'm not lying about this, but his name was Richard Tapper. <laughs> I just picture the Vermont trees where you put the thing in to get the the maple syrup out going into someone's penis. Uh, <laughs> you, go. you got the oh, valve. God. Like, um, man. Okay, well, that's... He never got the joke. That's the funniest part. How do you not get that joke? Oh, on Earth? Like, really? I mean, again, if you're a Dr. Wing, the first thing you tell people is, oh, there's a whole part of the hospital named after me. Nice. Yeah. My family's from Buffalo. Like... Yeah. (laughs) Most of them are poultry farmers. Like, you know, you just... Yeah. My, my, my mother, uh, her first job that she had, uh, on her own after, after leaving her parents' house, she was a medical transcriptionist. Uh, one of the doctors that, that she did transcription for was a podiatrist named Dr. Crutchett. Oh, wow. (laughs) So Dr. Oz, just to bring it back to Pennsylvania, Dr. Oz, his front is really good cardiology. Um, that's his front for the illegitimate uh, osteopathy that he does. Um, yeah. Dr. George Zahorian uh, was a urologist who was an osteopath. Um, and as early as 1984, he is the main guy who goes to all of the shows. Now, one of the best places to film if you're in the WWF is at Hershey, Pennsylvania. So he's always at those shows. It's just a really good venue for uh, that what used to be Arco Arena. Those are two both really good venues for for filming things. Um, So back then, like I said, wrestlers and managers kept kayfabe by obtaining their licenses. And that means that the promoters would obey athletic commissions in each state to keep kayfabe as well. Um, The lengths that people went to keep kayfabe is just goddamn ridiculous. Um, We've talked about this before, where some people would just grunt pseudo-Russian for three years. Um... And, you know, like some people would kayfabe their family. Um, just it was it. Yeah, it happened a lot. Uh, so Zahorian was gobsmacked by the wrestlers, uh, which absolutely would impair his judgment. He said, quote, I could not believe that I was sitting in an exam room or sitting at the ring of individuals that I had admired for years at home and examining these men and being able to talk to them and actually know that they were human beings, that these men were doing a job. The amazing thing that I didn't know was I was growing up when I was growing up was what type of job these men were doing, what the entertainment was, but also that these men were human and these men did hurt and these men did get hurt. And it was amazing what they could do and what they could go through. So he is just starstruck. And so I kind of like I I can see how A led to B led to C for him. Um, And he very quickly would blur those lines between patient doctor into something far more easily manipulated. Quote, over the years, these individuals were more than my patients. I considered these men part of my family. I'm going to break in right there. Anytime anybody says that something is family, they're either in recovery. um, Mm. They they have chosen not to be around their regular family, their 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 consanguineal family. Or they're trying to stop people from unionizing or they have a very unhealthy connection to somebody. Or all of they're charges. part of a right. oh. a car ring and they're best friends with Vin Diesel. Right. Fair. There you go. Yeah. One of those. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And nothing's more important than that. 
Um, okay, back to his quote. I considered these men part of my family. They were so misunderstood. People would make fun of these men. People would look at them as freaks, men from sideshows. These individuals were human beings. These individuals lived. They breathed. They had a job to do, and their job was entertainment. They had nobody to go to talk to. I love these men, and to this day, I love those men because as the years went on, I was able to find out what these men were doing. And this is all from testimony from a trial that I haven't gotten to yet. Um, so early on, Zahorian finds that many of these wrestlers were illiterate because they're carnies. Um, it's territory system stuff. It's, I mean, you know, it, it's kind of like stand-up comedy. People are like, oh my God, I hung out with a few comics and they're really broken. I had no idea. It's like, <laughs> really? <laughs> you think that urge is healthy? <laughs> like, um, and yeah, he, he said that, um, that they were illiterate and that they actually had no idea what to do with their body. They could make it look beefy. They could make things look real in the ring. Um, and he said, quote, one man came in to me and showed me a bottle. Doc, can you get this for me? I looked at the bottle. I read the label. I said, what's that label say? For veterinarian use? I said, you see your form there? You didn't sign it. Sign your form. And he put an X. I said, can you write? He says, no. I said, can you read? He says, no. Do you know that this is for veterinarian use? Where did you get that? So like, people literally taking horse pills like, yeah. So from there, oh, go on, Andrew, you're going to say. I mean, I went to school in a fairly rural area and I knew people who who um, who couldn't get to like a a large pharmacy or like a large sure. like hospital. So their next best choice was veterinarian. And Absolutely. as long as you're doing appropriately it's it, it yeah. could be fine um you could also but, save money on it but i'm also just thinking yeah. about like the other contracts that these guys had to sign from vince mcmahon like yeah like okay now, yeah and like what other things are you sacrificing right in that because you don't know how to read or understand legal mumbo jumbo right you can have a genius for pro wrestling and not yeah. know the business end of it for yourself. Exactly. So from there, Zahorian begins to prescribe and sell, and then mostly just sell antibiotic steroids, uh, or anabolic steroids. Um, also uh, opioids, also assorted downers uh, to the wrestlers in order to, as he put it, educate them and take care of these men that he saw as family. My, yeah. Again, he was starstruck. He was gobsmacked. He saw himself as being able to help them, and he absolutely lost all objectivity, like right off the bat. And also, yeah. he can, you know what? These men that he admires, they admire him for getting them what they need. And then he can tell himself that he's doing it to keep them safe. Okay. So, mm -hmm. just to backtrack, sure. Anabolic steroids, opioids. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the steroids make sense because, I mean, for fuck's sake, look at these guys. Right. Like, um, and and just for recovery time and whatever all else, that's mm -hmm. that's a huge thing. Um, and then the opioids make sense because Jesus Christ, shit's got to hurt. And sometimes, I mean, you're on the road, you need to get yeah. to sleep. Mm, okay. Etc. Yeah. See, that's that's what I was going to get to is yeah. is the downers 
one getting to sleep okay but also steroids can have as a side effect they can have a kind of mania inducing mm-hmm. um you know stimulant characteristic so it's mm-hmm. like we give you we give you these we're not giving you these as go pills but they turn into go pills sure and don't forget the massive amounts of cocaine that everybody was using at that time <laughs> All of right. yeah and yeah. it is yeah because it's it's still late 80s at this point early right? 80s early 80s. oh okay yeah All i right. rewound, is, we're, we're rewound a little yeah. bit okay yeah so yeah <laughs> even more so yeah yeah I mean, you you and... take a bump in the ring, you do a bump in the locker room. Wow. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. And then and then so so these guys are just are are drugged up mm-hmm. every conceivable direction. Yeah, and remember, there's okay. no off season for wrestling, right? No. There's no detox time. If you're off, you're not getting paid. Yeah. So if you're off, you're either going to another territory and working there, you're going overseas and working a short stint there, or you're so injured that you are not drawing any money. And back then, it's not like there's any kind of union, as we talked about last time. Mm-hmm. So my it, favorite... Gee, many Christmas. Go on. So my first question is, is he getting... Is he How is he getting paid? Is it like you're... Working for us, or are you getting paid per prescription? Side money. Yeah. He, he Side is money. getting, yeah, he's getting paid. He's getting paid by the State Athletic Commission to be there. Yeah. And then while yeah. he's there, he's got bags and bags of stuff. Okay. So, because this is all his testimony from the court case yes. you're going to talk about later. Yes. Are there other testimonies? Matter of fact, there are. Um, okay. My favorite wrestler, okay. uh, Bret Hart. Uh, greatest wrestler of all time. Best there is. Yes, yes there was. The best there ever will be. I agree. Um, he wrote in his memoir uh, that on September 8th, 1985, quote, I was lined up waiting for Dr. Zahorian again. One by one, I watched damn near everybody come out of Z- Zahorian's room with grocery bags full of drugs, even Vince. It often happened that wrestlers brought so many drugs that they couldn't carry them in their suitcases and had to ship them home. No one heeded the warning signs, though I tried really hard to be moderate. So, okay, rad, yeah, uh, grocery bags, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So, here's my I, thoughts, I, yeah, I'm speechless. <laughs> like, no, just just grocery, ba- like, I'm I'm trying to imagine the number of bottles of pills that you need to be carrying uh-huh. in order to need a fucking grocery bag, like. Whoa. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Andrew, go please. I, so, I'm... osteopathy, and I would also throw in homeopathy, mm-hmm. uh, kind of gives off a little bit of vibes in certain ways of snake oil salesman. Yeah. Uh, in certain ways, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I'm I'm incredibly skeptical about like how his testimony, a uh, Doctor Zahorian's testimony, is coming out because, like, in that sense, he is working with performers. Mm-hmm. He could be also presenting himself as a performer so we can get that extra side money. Yeah. While also during that trial, being presented as ways like, I had to do this. I'm the victim too. Yeah. Oh, he's um, he's speaking on, not on his defense in this particular case, but how he does in this case will help guide what happens to him when his trial comes up. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so all I'm just thinking is like image management, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about a little bit. Um, oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So he's absolutely doing that. And that's why I pulled in Vince McMahon or not Vince, uh, Brett, Brett Hart's uh, memoir as well. And again, Brett Hart, is, he wrote a memoir. It, it doesn't mean that it's uh, completely verifiable like the Marshall Report or something like that. Like it's no. it's, you know, it, it it is also colored. You know, he's looking through, well, literally pink colored glasses. Um, but uh, so, uh, you know, minimizing his thing as well as, as inclined as I am to believe him because I, he is my favorite. There is also a, everybody's lost, but me vibe going through the 565 pages of his memoir. Um, yeah. Now on November 1st that year. So remember Brett said that, um, September 8th, 1985, um, he saw this and it was not Mm -hmm. an uncommon thing. On November 1st of that year, 30-year-old quick-draw Rick McGraw, uh, who was kind of a jobber to the stars, uh, he recently wrestled Roddy Piper. Um, he died of a heart attack. Um, 30. 30? 30, yep. Whew. Hart recalled that earlier that year, in January, he had seen that, quote, quick-draw came out of Zahorian's room carrying his own personal pharmacy vials of steroids and an assortment of small boxes containing Valium, Percocet, Halcyon, Speed, and his much-loved Placidils, um, or Placidils. He could have used a grocery sh- uh, grocery cart. Hart then goes on and uh, said, like everyone else in the line, I handed him some crisp $100 bills and stocked up on 20 vials of testosterone, 20 Decadurabolin, and four bottles of Gonda gonadotropin to keep my balls from shrinking along with several boxes of halcyon so I could sleep and a cache of needles that's Bret Hart and if you remember he's kind of on the smaller side compared to the monsters and behemoths of the early 80s yeah, um, yeah. the, the gonadotropin uh, <laughs> part is the like so so like they knew yes. what the side effects were of the stuff they were using. They were taking drugs specifically to deal with the side effects of yes. it. Like yeah. the the extent to which that is just a fucked up culture. Yeah. Now like, this is this is in 84, 85 when they're playing the smaller towns, Hershey mm, and Allentown. Yeah. When the show gets more successful in 86 and 87, fewer of those shows are coming through these places. So the result is that Zahorian is now shipping them to them via FedEx. And this is what's going to land him in trouble. Okay. And by the way, it uh, is Placidil. Placidils. Okay. I looked cool. it up. Yeah. yeah. Short acting sedative and hypnotic drug used to treat insomnia. Well, and again, no. uh, yeah. Uh, so the next part gets a little confusing because the trial started years after these quotes, but a lot of what was happening was happening all at once. Pennsylvania passed something called the Professional Wrestling Act of 1989, and this was to help modernize the laws and regulations surrounding professional wrestling. Other states had similar laws that were outdated as well, as they had treated wrestling as though it was a legitimate sport, which promoters gladly played along with, despite the restrictions that it imposed. It was still worth keeping kayfabe. They often would just pass the cost and blame onto the wrestlers anyway, because at their heart, most promoters were carny chiefs. Um, now, having read through the act, I can see why Vince McMahon admitted that pro wrestling wasn't a pure competition, that it was sports-based entertainment in New Jersey. Um, this got him out from under regulatory bodies and having to pay the various state athletic commissions. So that's money 
uh, in his pocket. So kayfabe for the fans, no kayfabe for the law. So Pennsylvania is amongst a bunch of states that start passing, relaxing the regulations uh, because Vince McMahon early on is like, we're sports entertainment. We're not a actual sport. We're not. A... And he essentially compares them to the Harlem Globetrotters, which I am not a huge fan of Vince McMahon. But I actually agree with that argument because the Harlem Globetrotters, they will have gimmicks that they do during their uh, during their game. But they are also playing a legitimate competitive game uh, four minutes at a time in that as well. So to the point where the Senators have actually won twice. Uh, but, <laughs> um, but you know, in, in general, like we all agree that Harlem Globetrotters, you know who's going to win. You know it's all for entertainment and stuff like that. It's it's sports entertainment though, right? Um, so I agree with that. And I think that you shouldn't, you shouldn't be regulating the Harlem Globetrotters the same way that you would regulate the NBA. I do tend to agree with that as well. Um, I'm also a big fan of legalizing gambling, though, but you have to regulate it. So that leads us to Anita Scales. Um, she is the Titan Sports Director of Compliance and Regulations, uh, which means Titan Sports has grown because they have a Director of Compliance and Regulations. Um, she was the one that was tasked with hiring, quote, people to assist in the writing of the portions of the bill or lobbying that would have affected our business. Now, I still want to believe that Mr. Smith can go to Washington, but like people are admitting straight up, like, yeah, we wrote legislation and it's like, what the fuck are the legislators for? Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So this essentially means that it's her job to hire the ringside physician per the new acts regulations. And it's a matter of, uh, you don't want to be considered a sport. Fine. Hire your own doctors to oversee it. Those are still going to be required. You just won't get to go through state athletic commission now. So she does, right? And she specifically wanted to freeze Zahorian out because, quote, I had heard rumors about him dating back to when he was when I was working in Greenwich or Greenwich. Now, a month later, Zahorian starts trying to get back into the loop. And she testifies in, in a trial, quote, he made a number of calls. I got very irritated and started to document it, do- document them. So I need to point out here again that Anita Scales is the employee of the man who is trying to avoid being found guilty, but also she's testifying for the prosecution. So her testimony needs to be taken with that in mind. Um, So I I think it's called a hostile witness. I could be mixing up terms here. Yeah, no, that's correct. Yeah. So she's testifying against her boss, but... Uh, Well... It may or may not be a hostile witness. Okay. Um, a hostile witness, uh, if she was called as a witness by the prosecution, mm-hmm. which she and was. she okay, and if if she was combative or refusing to provide information, then the the rules of questioning are different when when an attorney turns to the judge and said, uh, you know, uh, oh, permission to treat her as a hostile you, witness. You get to uncuff your. Yeah. Yeah. You get to. Yeah. So, so not, not so so much in this case. I can't speak to that. Yeah. Um, so, um, it also though, and, and having said all that, it does fit with what Zahorian had said about being so starstruck. He thought that Hershey, Pennsylvania was his town and that doing business there without him was a slap in his face, given what he thought 
that he had done for the boys for so many years. So Zahorian goes above Scales' head and appeals to Pat Patterson, who teamed up with Chief Jay Strongbow, also known as Joe Scarpa, because he's playing a Native American, he must be Italian. Um, Pat Patterson and he basically pressure Scales to put Zahorian in play again. Now Scarpa, a man of questionable ethics on a good day, according to Scales, quote, said the boys need their candies. I said they could get their damn candies somewhere else. So then, yeah. Like, is there is there no? I mean, obviously, I I already know the it's answer, carny. but I I kind of I kind of have to say there's no there's no concern for their actual welfare. No, no. Now like, you're done with them, you run them out. It's it's all about the Benjamins. Yeah, and not and, what have you done for me? What are you going to do for me? Okay, okay, and and for a guy like Scarpa, who who had been a ring a ring who had been a wrestler usually yeah very popular this, this is a this is a case of hey i did my time mm-hmm. i you know when this when i was it in goes. it this is how we did it this is just the way the game is played yep okay not not i want to make it better for the next generation to come through yeah okay yeah. got it again cuz no. think about who goes into these carny jobs so mm, yeah people who can't read right Exactly. Um, now she goes, uh, Scales sees that that's happening, hears that from Strongbow, uh, Scarpa, and she goes to two wrestling experts within the company that she trusted, Tony Gurria and Gorilla Monsoon. Tony Gurria had been a very popular Italian wrestler in the 1970s. Um, he is also of questionable ethics, to be perfectly honest. He, he kind of does shitty things to independent shows. Um, and Gorilla Monsoon beloved by most um has a stake or had a stake in the old wwwf um and i think he was given a guaranteed job uh once vince bought out his dad and his son joey morella was a referee in fact was the referee for wrestlemania 3 between andre and hogan Uh, his son later dies in a car accident on the road because that's the job so Gorilla Monsoon and Tony Gurria do not want to take that much of a stand, although they are both against Zahorian. And according to Scales, Monsoon said, quote, there was no room in the business for people like that, speaking of Zahorian. But then he also said, well, kid, I guess you're between a rock and a hard place. So acknowledging that it's bad and not doing much about it, not wanting to get involved. Hmm. I I will grant you, uh, Gorilla Monsoon, at that time, his son had not yet died, so he's not racked with grief, but he is old. Um, and and I can understand wanting to just let your tomatoes grow. But still, if you think somebody's a piece of shit, it's kind of that, you know, well, let's not just sit, let's just make sure we don't sit her next to her uncle at Thanksgiving. It's like, no, don't invite your uncle to Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's a hidden stare situation. Yeah. So uh, so when the show finally does make it back to Hershey, um, Rene Goulet, another former wrestler who from another territory from the Grand Prix uh, territory in Montreal, um, he actually, if you ever watch old, old WWF wrestling, there's a guy with like straw colored hair and it looks, I mean, just the worst fucking haircut. It's just all straight and thin. That's Rene Goulet. Um, but anyway, he asked her why there were two physicians at the show, which of course was a shock to scales because she'd already hired one. 
but Zahorian had come in unannounced at the request of Pat Patterson and Arnold Scotland. Arnold Scotland famously was the one who threw in the towel for Bob Backlund against the Iron Sheik. May he rest in power. Um, but also um, Arnold Scotland was a piece of shit, uh, according to most people who ran into him, who were fans. Um, he had been a, a manager, and prior to that, he'd been a wrestler. He also played Pinochle with Andre a lot. So hmm. take that for what it is. According to Scales, she then goes straight to Linda McMahon expressing her concern and her reasoning and when uh, and what she thought were her duties, Scales' duties. Uh, Linda McMahon then said, quote, you do what Pat says. Now, later, in an internal memo Linda Mc... to Linda McMahon, Pat Patterson was backtracking on having Zahorian there, owing to the mounting investigation in Pennsylvania. You were going to say something, and I'm going to quote from the actual uh memo oh no go go ahead and quote before i say anything because i want to hear that all right from that memo yeah quote i spoke to vince about the fact that the state of pennsylvania is probably going to launch an investigation into the use of an all of all illegal drugs including steroids an officer from the state department mentioned jack krill one of our attorneys at a recent fundraiser that his office would be conducting these investigations at the same time as he told Krill that perhaps it was a bad idea to mention it to him because Krill's firm represents the WWF. In addition, this fellow mentioned that he was aware of Dr. Zahorian and his relationship with the WWF. Although you and I discussed before about continuing to have Zahorian at our live events as the doctor on call, I think that is now not a good idea. Vince agreed and would like for you to call Zahorian to tell him not to come to any more of our events and to also clue him in on any action that the Justice Department is thinking of taking. On December 26th, the State Athletic Commission is having a small meet and greet session with some of our talent, and I would definitely not want Zahorian there, end quote. Okay. Yeah. So so now in writing after after all of this from pat now now he's he is trying to make it sound like well you know we we talked about him being there yeah in this neutral like it could have been her saying right she wanted him like completely eliminating any any indication mm-hmm. that he was the one who had said no no keep him there the boys need their candies the boys need their candy it goes from like, the boys need their candies to oh dr zahorian no fuck yeah. him <laughs> yeah mm. like uh, uh wait bro <laughs> like yeah okay you know and and what what strikes me in in all of that is she went to linda mcmahon mm-hmm and Linda told her to do what uh, Pat says. Pat says. Yep. Yeah. Now, Pat does not even have a dotted line, like line of authority over her in the org chart. Over who? Uh, the, the scales? Scales. Right. He's, 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 he's like a talent guy. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's a talent guy. There's no, there's no over. Well, I mean, there's, kind of overlap in their departments but there's not there's not supposed to be any kind of overlap in their department she's supposed to be a legal shrink right Right. and and this is scales 
mm-hmm. a woman mm-hmm. going to another woman in the organization and being told by that woman, oh yeah, no, what what that guy mm-hmm. told you to do. Like one of the things that immediately jumps out at me is the patent sexism. Yes. Going on is like the fuck. Like why, why do you even have this person working for you? Mm -hmm. If you're not going to listen to them. Yeah. Like so that you can say that you have a department of doing that. Yep. All right. Tokenism for the win. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's really it. I'm like, I mean, Pat Patterson, if I recall, he doesn't, like you said, he, he's mostly talent, mm-hmm. but he has that excellent, a great relationship with Vince. So, and like, Linda. yeah, and Linda. So, it's not really about the positions in that case, it's about the relationships you have. Yes. Quick question What sure. year is this we're in? Okay, so I'm quoting a trial from, I want to say, 90. Okay. But um, this is about things that happened from 85 and 86 and 87. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that law hasn't been established yet. Let's see the, the, the one where they, they classify wrestling as more entertainment rather than a sport. Yeah. That's not till 89. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So these are things that are happening because the trial is not about that law being broken or anything. The trial is about, um, because anabolic steroids get made illegal um, mm-hmm. right around that time. And then they're like going back and going, whoa, we need to actually crack down on this shit. And because Orion was sending them through the freaking mail, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. they got a pretty solid case there. Um, yeah. Yeah. So no, I was just trying to figure out the timeline and everything oh. because I felt like we were bouncing around a bit. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sorry for that. Like, there's no way it's to, all like, good. You know, four years later, they're talking about this. And it's like that trial that they're talking about is is seminal. But at the same time, the shit they're talking about, you know, is is back away. Now, interestingly, Jack Krill, um, who is uh, their lawyer who is representing because Krill's firm is the one that represents WWF. Do you know who seconded him? Uh, as attorney, so there's Jack Krill and his second, um, who seconded him to be the uh, attorney for uh, the WWF. I think I know. Yeah, I want to see Ed's. Guess, Was it? Though. Is it going to be something like Rudy Giuliani? No. Oh no. No, but no. you're you're way ask. closer. Yeah, go for it. Did this person try to run for president? He did. It's Rick Santorum. It is Rick Santorum. Yep. <laughs> oh shit. Nope. Dead nope. fucking serious. Nope. I I was I was wanting to say that when you yeah. brought up that law, like, oh, you want to know who helped uh form yeah. that law? Think about like it. It's in Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like like vengefully had a a side effect of of sexual intercourse named after him, Rick Santorum. Yes. yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. So I I was waiting for this. I yeah. wanted to know how Ed would react because I I knew <laughs> somehow we were going to be yep. talking about this. Yeah. Because I when you brought up that law, I knew Rick Santorum was part of it. Yeah. But I wanted I was hoping Ed didn't. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so happy because it shocked that that fucker. Really? Yes. Yep. <laughs> I swear to God, what? fucking what? only only the Republican Party does this shit. Where like all the kayfabe, 
just leaks yeah, yeah. into them. Yeah. Well, like, I yeah. mean, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh-huh. Presidential also ran. Uh-huh. Rick Santora. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm going to throw this out there. Yeah. This just goes to show that at their core, mm-hmm. so many Republicans are deeply, deeply unserious people. Yeah. Well, they're, they're grifters and carny yeah. workers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. And so they get attracted to that work. <sighs> God, all flipping mighty. I, yeah. wow. I, okay. Like, okay. Yeah. I should, Pennsylvania. I, I shouldn't mm-hmm. have thought like Giuliani, but yeah. Yeah, no, I, I get thinking Giuliani because but... he's a venal cur, but <laughs> yeah. So that's some of the nicest shit anybody said about I him. I know, right? Like years. <laughs> yeah, he's a venal cur. Is that all? No, that's just yeah. Well, words. yeah, but but yeah, because the podcast yeah. isn't about him this time. So this, I, I'll this just spare him point. those yeah. words. All right, you know? true. All right. So Patterson went on oh. to warn Zahorian about the upcoming investigation, um, like you do. Uh, and according to Zahorian's testimony, uh, Patterson asked him to call from a payphone instead of his own office because that's totally normal and okay. Quote, oh, yeah, that seems legit. <laughs> I mean, that's what we all do. Yeah, naturally. Uh, um, yeah. I, yeah. Okay. I mean, it literally was I mean, a, still... a set piece in the movie Goodfellas um, talking about how like paranoid Paulie was, but uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, quote, he stated he wanted me to call him from a payphone. I returned to the hospital, called him from the hospital payphone. And during that phone conversation, he had told me that there was an investigation going on of Titan Sports. That representatives from Titan or that representatives from Titan Sports had been in Washington, D.C. for part of this for some type of a meeting. And that a meeting uh, that at that meeting, it was made known to them of the investigation of Titan Sports that my name was brought up that it was necessary uh my name was brought up that I was being investigated because of this investigation that he and Mr. McMahon felt that it was necessary for me to find all information that I had in my presence pertaining to the wrestlers whether it be their records telephone numbers addresses and destroy the information immediately they did not want me to have any records whatsoever of or of the records Uh, And I was very concerned about this. He said that it may be something that is very minor, but we'd better be careful. And I told him, okay. He then said, look, once this is over, then we will get together and we can continue with our relationship. And that was the end of our conversation of the conversation with him. So totally above board. Everything's cool. Okay. So wait. Yeah. So that, that whole set of statements there, that was Zahorian saying about his conversation with Pat Patterson. Okay, that that Pat Patterson said, "Call me mm-hmm. from a payphone. We got to talk about this." And then they had that conversation. And and like he's giving all of that testimony that like Pat Patterson said, "We got to mm-hmm. destroy literally destroy evidence." Yes. Like under oath he's saying, "Pat Patterson told me to destroy evidence." Yes. <laughs> like did he did he cut a deal of some kind? I don't know that there was a deal because he gets a lengthy sentence. Well, yeah, because he just admitted in, well, yeah. <laughs> in, in, in you know, under oath testimony that like, oh, yeah, no, I talked to him and he said, oh, yeah, no, we got to destroy all that. And, yeah. you know, like, I, I want to know who was his lawyer <laughs> because <laughs> like, 
Um, why? I wonder if this was actually the better advice that his lawyer gave him too. Like, mm. I mean, so, yeah. in a way, could be. I mean, like, like, hey, I was just taking orders. Right. I was told by my yeah, uppers, trying to trying to trying to get yeah. trying to get leniency. And also, hey, I wasn't trying to influence anybody anything. I just filled orders. Mm-hmm. So yes, you've got yep. me, and I shouldn't have done that. And I'm sorry, but don't think that I bled over out of my lane. That's Pat over there. He did that. Uh, okay. Yeah, it, and that kind of goes trying back to paint to... somebody else. Painting somebody else is the mastermind. Image yeah, management too. Exactly. Yeah. That goes back. Yeah, that goes back all the way to what we were talking about, like the snake oil salesman right mentality. It's like I am here to provide a service. Right. It's in this case, it's yeah. my bosses who are telling me what I need to do. Right. I it up with the manufacturer. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So eventually one of the guys that Zahorian was dealing to flipped and wore a wire, and I couldn't figure out who it was. Uh, this then meant that prosecutors would get Zahorian to flip and testify against McMahon in exchange for leniency in test in sentencing. So yes, okay, okay. there was there we go. Which so, I had yeah. a hard time remembering that because the fucker got ten years. Like, how is that lenient? Well, think think yeah. of the number of counts. Well, and the ten years got commuted down to three. Now that I okay. think about it, and so there he got you go. To, and he didn't get defrocked. He got to keep his fucking license. That Are you kidding? Of, no, dead serious. That was part of the deal. So 10 down to three. Maybe he was facing 10 and then he only got three. That might have been it. Um, but then, yeah, he gets to keep his license. Uh-huh. What Damn Pennsylvania. Well, they're trying to get they're trying to go shit. up the train, you know? Well, you get, yeah, no, I, I, I get yeah. that they're trying to go after the bigger fish, but like grocery bags, motherfuckers. I know. Yeah. I know. And like, like okay, like the sheer think of the amount of liver damage mm-hmm. oh, that yeah, we're but... talking about aggregate for like all of these guys. Um, it, you know, kind kind of sort of a segue, but um I a while back I was looking for for a workout program uh to do uh that I could do independently and one of the ones I found was uh and I, I didn't wind up buying it, but I was entranced by the commercials for a while. It was DDP Yoga, Diamond Dallas Page. Oh, yeah, yeah. That has actually, a lot of people swear by it. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, one of his uh, one of his testimonials oh, is from Arthur? Jake uh, Jake the Snake. Oh, okay, yeah. Who, who, like, the amount of damage that man, all mm-hmm. of them, really, but especially that, that man suffered... And like you can tell so much of the, you know, joint trouble and the brain trouble and like everything else going on with these guys is, is the the amount of anabolic steroids and all of the other shit Mm -hmm. they were pumping into their bodies. Well, and Jake is one of the best examples of the worst. Like, yeah, Yeah. like if you want to like name three people who've been most damaged by wrestling, Jake is always in the top three. Yeah. Yeah. I so, can believe that. Yeah. But, but yeah. you know, e- even even taking into account that he's one of the top three most, you know, badly worked over by it, just imagine like all of those guys, n- none of them got away scot free. No. You know, and the, just the amount of damage that this, you know, osteopath fucking dick doctor inflicted on these people. Mm hmm. 
like, I mean, I understand wanting to go for the bigger fish, but like, no, <laughs> this, this man has a lot more to answer for. And not only that, like you said, he was originally up for 10 years. They cut mm-hmm. it down to three. That right. is more than generous. They should have still taken away his license. Granted, he did osteopathy, which most likely means if you took his license, he would just go ahead and print off a certificate and say he's still certified. Right. But still, like, that's that's incredible bullshit there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, he gets that. Um, there was even a picture of Zahorian McMahon and Hulk Hogan on Zahorian's wall. Um, of course. <laughs> of course. Um, Hogan had been was on the it cover. signed? Um, no. But I mean, it's, uh, okay, you got them literally arm in arm with you. Um, Hogan oh. had been on the cover of the Sports Illustrated in April of '85, if you recall, just about a month after the first WrestleMania. So Hogan is a nationally known media star. So when things got hot for the WWF following this Pennsylvania trial in 1991, shortly after WrestleMania eight in 1992, as a federal case was being built, Hulk Hogan takes a leave of absence from the company. This is why Sid Vicious and let's see, was it Sid Vicious? It was, I think it was, yeah, Sid Vicious and Papa Shango attack Hulk Hogan and Hulk Hogan needs to be saved by the ultimate warrior. Um, and uh, all those things, like all of that happens to allow Hogan to leave and the warrior steps back in. Um, yeah, so Hogan takes a leave of absence in 92. Now, after only three hours of deliberation, the jury found Dr. Zahorian guilty of selling steroids to wrestlers who were not his legitimate patients. But despite the disgraced doctor taking the fall, Vince McMahon and the WWF also did not emerge unscathed. On the last day, the lawyer for Dr. Zahorian stated, quote, Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan brought their bought their steroids from Dr. Zahorian. Like, straight up said it. Um, and this is when Vince and Hogan had to speak to the media. And remember, mm-hmm. most of this is focused on Hogan. So that's the, all that to get to this. So Hogan did come out on, in 1991 on, on Arsenio Hall a second time, this time with no WWF gear on. And he called the media liars, including Arsenio. And he tried to run the interview, similar to what he's been able to do previously. More soft-spoken, stronger-voiced, but still soft-spoken. Arsenio tried to ask several questions, and Hogan just ran over him. And again, this is on a nightly national young audience television talk show. Uh, Mm -hmm. Hogan brought out a picture of himself and his Little League team, showing how big he was as a kid, uh, as evidence of him not being on steroids now. See, look how tall I was. Um... (laughs) <laughs> which means nothing in right. all honesty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know. Yeah. No. But he says, quote, the things I am not is that I'm not a steroid abuser and I do not use steroids. Hogan said that out loud on TV. I watched the interview. He then said that he wasn't like Lyle Alzado. He mentioned that he had used steroids to avoid surgery when he won the championship. Hogan refused to confirm or deny that Zahorian was his doctor for that time. He did get in he did get in his promo about training, saying your prayers, eating your vitamins, and believing in himself just before the commercial. Um, it's just fucking unbelievable. Like how how well and it's it's wild because Hogan comes off looking terrible for this too. 
Um, he really does. Uh, and, and a lot of people said, you know what you could have said was, yes, I did, um, found that it was bad for my body. And I stopped about two, three years ago and I'm really sorry. And that could have been it. But instead, after the commercial break, Arsenio straight up asks him who else was on steroids and Hogan dodges. And then he promotes Vince McMahon as having a new drug policy. And he mentioned that WWF was uh, uh, he, he mentions WWF in the first person plural. He says we. I and the WWF and Vince McMahon, we and he dragged <laughs> he then drags Mike Tyson specifically boxing. Baseball, basketball, and football. Um, like saying how how gassed up all of them are. And then he drags superstar Billy Graham and Bruno San Martino as being hypocrites. That they had made so much money and they had obviously nobody gets that strong just working out. And he's absolutely right about uh superstar Billy Graham. Um, he was one of the first ones to successfully build a career on steroids. Um, Billy Graham admitted that for for plenty of years after that. Um, and he he drags the two of them, calls them hypocrites. Uh, and then he finished with like a PSA for the kids to stay away from class three drugs, uh, which oddly specific. A little bit. Um, yeah. And then, quote, WWF and Hulk Hogan were a bunch of leaders, not a bunch of followers. OK, there it was. Yeah. Um, and then Arsenio asked Hulk what he thought of the doctors prescribing the drugs, calling them pushers, and Hulk tried to st straddle the fence, and he refused to actually call the drug do drug doctors uh, dealers. Uh, and then incidentally, in his own autobiography later, Hulk Hogan would cite this appearance and the lying that he did here as the biggest regret of his life, which is weird considering we still haven't touched on pasta mania. <laughs> so... Then, because it's 1992, guess who he compares himself to? Bill Clinton. You're close. Jesus. Clarence Thomas. Clarence. <laughs> You're a black man in front of me. I'm going to think about another black man. Like, so because people, because people accuse Clarence Thomas of smoking pot in college, possibly. Uh. So he's saying, yeah, I'm a little like Clarence Thomas, you know, when they accused him of smoking pot in college. This <laughs> statement does not air well and age well in any way. Um, no, <laughs> it, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't do well in the present of in its own. Yeah. Present. Contemporaneously. Like, yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> like, Hogan then said on shit. national. <laughs> he then said on national TV that since he was a patient of Dr. Zahorian's, he was painted as being a part of the same scandal. And then he went on to claim that the federal judge uh, said that Hogan didn't have to testify because there's no evidence that he was a part of it. In truth, the WWF lawyer at the time, Jerry McDivitt, busted his ass to make sure that Hogan got excused from testifying so that while the WWF and Vince McMahon may burn to the ground, a very real concern for Vince McMahon, um, McMahon was so convinced and so concerned that he brought in Jerry Jarrett to run the WWF in, in case he had to go to jail. McDivitt felt um, that while all that may happen, Hogan would have been protected by doctor-patient relationship with Dr. Zahorian since he'd consulted with Dr. Zahorian about various medical issues involving him and his wife having children. 
So he shielded him talking about fertility. Mm. Yeah. And again, I'm pointing out there are some things that you need to hear here that I want you to put pins in. Number one, he compared himself to a black man specifically. Yeah. Number two, his penis is not being directly mentioned here, but how he plans to use it to produce sperm and, and release that sperm inside of his wife's vagina um, is definitely uh, a thing that we need to remind remind ourselves of later. Um. And then this idea of confidentiality. Again, absolutely, you, you do get doctor-patient confidentiality, but I don't think that that's not actionable. It's it's not quite how it works. No. Um, so, yeah, uh, he, he's got a, a doctor-patient relationship because he's he and his wife are trying to, to have kids. So McDivitt rephrases it and, and says to the judge that the government has no compelling reason to do this to Hulk Hogan because it would compromise Hulk Hogan's medical privacy rights to have to get on a witness stand and explain why he did what he did. It would just serve to victimize somebody who had not committed any crimes. And this worked. Hogan did not have to testify. Much to the chagrin of others who saw what was really happening, like sports columnist Phil Mushnick of the New York Post. Now, I will say this. I cannot stand Phil Mushnick of the New York Post. He is a piece of shit, um, allegedly. Uh, the, the stuff that he wrote about Brian Pillman's death, the the way that he... I mean, he's fucking from the New York Post. But in this instance, he was 100% right. He said that Hulk Hogan should be... Or said that Hulk Hogan was dismissed from testifying because it might be injurious to his career. Quote, well, it should be injurious to his career if he was on drugs. If his whole, pers whole persona was, say your prayers, take your vitamins, kids. How do you get dismissed from testifying because it might hurt you to tell the truth? Now, at one point, McDivitt was asked why Hogan got to get away with not testifying when Ronald Reagan himself had to testify about Oliver North. McDivitt's Ooh. response, well, maybe Reagan had the wrong lawyer. <laughs> wow. Arrogant much? <sighs> Lawyerly much? Like... You know, you know that what you're saying is unassailable, so go for it, I guess. So from April 92 through January 93, Hulk Hogan was not officially a part of the WWF. Now, he'd get royalties and things like that. Um, he made no appearance uh, with them, which tells me that that Marvel contract should have ended. But I guess because there were likeness rights mm. and because there were video games and stuff like that, he was still involved with the business. So it carried on. Now, the trial was argued uh, in 1994. McMahon had been indicted in 1992. This shit takes forever. And by 1994, Hulk Hogan is no longer with the WWF at all, having retired and then having come back to professional wrestling for Ted Turner's WCW. Now, because of this rivalry that uh, Turner attempted, but largely failed at to get uh, um, he also had attempted to get CNN to carry full coverage of the trial, but also failed at that, which I just love that Ted Turner is like, fuck Vince McMahon. I want to rest, have a wrestling promotion go against him. And also I want CNN to do wall to wall coverage of this trial. And he couldn't quite get it. <laughs> so, and now this, yeah, go on. And this is 1994. 94 yes okay i just want to make the point um uh -huh. at this time i am alive oh hey hey <laughs> 
<laughs> a new infant has entered the chat. I was born in 93. I just wanted to make that point. <laughs> wow. That was the year Ed graduated from high school. Oh, boy. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. In in another universe where Ed didn't play as much Warhammer 40K and, and had sex as a teenager, um, he could have been your dad. No, he wouldn't have. Well, could have. No. <laughs> yeah, I w- and, and I wasn't really into 40... Like, I didn't play 40K that much back then anyway. It would have been D&D and Cyberpunk anyway. but I like yeah. that that's the correction. Like, yeah, well... <laughs> yeah, we all know. Like, come on. <laughs> so... <laughs> you know, my, my, the, the joke that my wife and I have is, you know, if we had met in, in when we were both in high school, she would not have had any time for me at all. I would <laughs> have, I would not have, I would have, I would not have gotten the time of day out of her. Like, no, you're such a nerd. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> See, my, my partner and I, I think she would have been exactly the gal I would have crushed on in, in high school. Just based on the wardrobe, she told me she wore. Yeah. My long, long skirt, uh, boots. Uh, you know, comfy, comfy top T-shirt usually. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm sold. I'm bohemian, bohemian kind of sort of. Yeah, the, the, the gals who would like yeah. all drive the same boxy Volvos. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Oh. I would like to think my partner and I, if we were in high school together, we would uh, we would be a thing. I would like yeah. to think that. I also think she's way more popular than me, and mm, that's, that's I was that weird. Yeah. I was that weird middle ground between band kid and high school wrestler so sure yeah 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 Yeah. i i just you know i i was a misfit and those folks were enough close to the margins that that they gave me the time of day so Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. others other other uh former paramours no (laughs) would have had no (laughs) business with me (laughs) um so mcmahon gets indicted uh, the trial happens. Turner tries and fails to get it on CNN all the time. Um, <laughs> the trial saw Hulk Hogan as a witness for the prosecution in exchange for immunity. Oh. Uh, and it was largely a nothing burger. The prosecution, uh, and I think the prosecution overreached. Um, they alleged that McMahon was in charge of distribution of illegal steroids to WWF wrestlers. They also charged that he had required wrestlers to take steroids while they were in the WWF. Hogan testified that, uh, just like he'd said, um, that while he had taken steroids previously under his own prescription for the medical purposes, as mentioned on Arsenio Hall in 91, and that he had received them from Zahorian with his fan mail and paychecks. Mm. Um, interesting. Um, which absolutely goes against what he had said on Arsenio Hall. Uh, he said McMahon had never asked him no- to take any, nor had he bought any on on Hogan's behalf. Hogan on the stand said, quote, we were gym buddies. We were friends. Sometimes I had extra steroids and I gave them to Vince. Sometimes Vince had extra steroids. He gave them to me. Therefore, no conspiracy. And what was funny yeah. was that Hogan's testimony actually made it possible for Vince to be found innocent and because he basically said, oh, yeah, we took them, you know, that wasn't a crime when we were doing that, though. And mm-hmm. there was no conspiracy. We just shared them. Nobody was trying to do anything. He never told me I had to. I'm the biggest guy in the whole company, etc. And that that leaves the door open for Vince to be innocent. But Vince doesn't see it that way. And he was furious at Hulk Hogan because Hogan had testified against him. 
That doesn't even sound like if okay. Yeah. I am not an attorney. I have some legal training. Sure. I took I took paralegal courses. Based on what I understand, mm-hmm. I don't get what the prosecution was trying to use that testimony to prove. Like, okay, yeah, they they took the drugs, but the 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 charge isn't that he took the drugs. The charge is there's a conspiracy. You don't put somebody on the stand you haven't already rehearsed, right? I, so here's what I think is is what's happening for the prosecution. I think you've got some overzealous U.S. attorneys. I also think that they are kind of blinded by kayfabe. Yeah, I think kind of my thought too that blurring of reality blinds them and they think it's one thing and it turns out the the wrestler can just walk and and I want us to remember this for when the Gawker trial happens Hulk Hogan is not the same guy as the guy who takes the stand Terry Bollea takes the no. stand yeah and I think that they have trouble distinguishing between the two because wrestling is that one business where that's really kind of hard to distinguish and they mm. do that shit on purpose I think it's those Carney Cafe brutes. So yeah, yeah. But it also, I, I also think, like, because the prosecution was trying to show that Vince McMahon was trying, was trying to encourage his wrestlers to do that. I think they right. completely neglected like the process of how he does it. He doesn't, if I recall, he doesn't really tell people to do it. But there's right. this culture where it's expected. Like yeah, so, there was this established culture, like Vince likes his wrestlers big. Well, and yeah. and the WWF had been a big man's territory since Bruno San Martino days, right? Yeah, and a monster factory too. So mm-hmm. you've got that, but also you've got uh, Vince would come to meetings straight from the gym. That's gross. So, yeah, but also I, I, I of... feel like he didn't even shower. He just showed yeah. up sweaty and gross. Problem. No, I would imagine he did shower because he, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he, he's he got those suits he likes to wear. But I, again, he's coming right from the gym. It's known that he's coming right from the gym. Yeah. So there's that culture of like, you know, you got to get bigger and beefier. But also he would have his lieutenants tell guys who were trying to break into the WWF like, oh, you know what? If you could get your shoulders to look a little bit bigger, uh, we could really use you on TV. You know, and, yeah. and then they'd go and they'd they'd spend four or five months working on their shoulder caps. Mm-hmm. Um Vince would never say that, but his lieutenants would. And that was I mean, it's it, it, how mafia does it get, you know? Uh I didn't say that. No, just because oh, I think they took it wrong. And there's so many guys, so many guys who say, Oh, Vince promised me this, this, and this. And then, you know, didn't deliver. And it's like, did he promise you that? Or did he say, I could see you as champion someday? And it's that plausible deniability. So this kind of goes back to something Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about a few episodes episodes ago with Hulk Hogan being like Uh a populist leader in the way he presents himself um there there one of my favorite things is um there's a researcher from texas a&m who researches uh presidential rhetoric and of course we have to compare populism with trump uh one of his mm-hmm. strategies is called uh ellipses and what that strategy basically is saying is like i'm not saying but i'm just saying 
Mm. I'm not saying this, but I've heard other people say this. Right. So that's kind of what his uh, mm-hmm. underlings are basically doing. I'm yeah. not saying you have to do steroids, but you kind of need to get bigger. Yeah, or I'm not saying that Vince likes him big, but when's the last I'm time you saw saying. a small champion? Exactly. So it is, and that's just layers. Again, you asked how how deep are the layers of kayfabe? Deep enough to keep you out of jail? <laughs> you know? Yeah. You, you know, and and the more the more of these details that you get into, mm-hmm. the more I feel like the DOJ needs to just like slap a Rico suit on the whole McMahon family. Like <laughs> that's like, one of the reasons fucking why mobsters. Like, oh my god. That's one of the reasons why the WWF um and any territory that Bill Watts ran were never a part of the NWA. Because the National Re- Wrestling Association, or was it the Alliance? Fuck, I forget what book it was. It was um, Alliance. Yeah, there's so there's two know. NWAs. There's one yeah. which is with all the territories, save for two, and then there's another one that is a different group, but it was way less powerful. Anyway, I'm just gonna say the NWA, and people can look it up. But it almost got slapped with a RICO statute uh, early on, but they were able to point to well, Vince McMahon over in New York. He's not part of us, Vince McMahon Sr. And Bill Watts, yeah. he's not part of us. And and the federal government, you just like, kicked the dirt and walked away, you know, <laughs> like, damn it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, carny shit, right? Mafia shit. That's I, I don't want to say it's exactly in the mafia, because we all know the mafia doesn't exist. That's just a movie convention for the purposes of this podcast. But um, it's it's definitely some carny shit where you get away with all kinds of things. Now, the other problem is, aside from Hulk Hogan, the only wrestler who testified for the prosecution was a guy named Nails. Um, I've forgotten his real name, but he played the Norseman in AWA. Um, and you probably don't remember him, but he came out as a convict who had been beaten by the big boss man. And he had one of those voice modulators that made his voice lower over the PA system. Um, and he beat the shit out of the big boss man, got a lot of heat on himself, turned big boss man face, um, and basically was an escaped convict, was or was an ex-con. And he was going to take his justice back. Um, Nails uh, had reportedly beaten the shit out of Vince McMahon in his office at a show for shorting him pay on the show. Um, And so he was considered, Nails was considered an unreliable and hostile witness and contradicted himself on the stand. Vince McMahon's defense against all of this was a non-defense. He stated that he took steroids prior to 1991, but when they became illegal, uh, he didn't. Uh, and the jury came back after 16 hours of deliberation with a not guilty verdict. Mm-hmm. Kevin Patrick Wachholz. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's that's nails. A big blonde dude, probably yeah. six six. Yeah. Um, so this trial was Stephanie McMahon's nine eleven. Evidently, um, I say that because after nine eleven, everybody was allowed to say what they felt in their heart, and. Justin Bradshaw Layfield at the time, just uh, Justin Bradshaw talked all about, we're going to get our revenge 
Um, other people talked about compassion. Stephanie McMahon goes on for like two minutes about how her dad had been accused of steroids in the 1990s. And this feels very similar to that. It is weird. That's really weird. It's yeah. So, but um, uh, let's make this tragedy about me and right. my family. Right. Have a deal. Well, because, because the McMahons are a like, bunch of narcissists. I, yeah. Like the whole goddamn family are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When I the most normal God. member of that family is the guy who jumps off of like 25 foot cages. Um, yeah, that's, that's Shane. <laughs> like, he a might shame. be the most normal of them all. So back to 92, 93. Hulk Hogan avoided most public scrutiny through his selective and careful picks of absence and interviews. Um, he comes back in February of 93 to help Brutus Beefcake. Brutus Beefcake had actually suffered a legit horrifying accident with a jet ski the previous year where a woman sailed through the air and her knees caved in his face. Oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, that it's oh. awful. Um, oh. he had to have his whole face reconstructed with lots of metal. Um, yeah, uh, to the point where Bobby Heenan on an interview show, you know, they interviewed him and asked him how he's doing. And he's like, I'm doing great. And Bobby Heenan pulled out some refrigerator magnets and put them on his face. <laughs> it was so Bobby awful. Heenan. Oh man. my god. Oh my god. <sighs> Honestly. Yeah, honestly, I think that's the most appropriate reaction we should it, do. I know, I know. It, it, it is certainly the most wrestling reaction there is. Um, so you know, uh, what's his face? Uh, Bruce Beefcake is wrestling with a mask to protect his still healing face. Um, and the tag team of Money Inc. took issue with that. Now, Money Inc. is of course Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and Erwin R. Scheister, IRS. Um, who literally comes to the ring wearing cheater glasses, a suit and tie, and wrestles in in what are, what are those called? Suspenders, um, a tie and a button down shirt, and uh, yeah, cuts a promo on the entire audience being tax cheats every year. Um, anyway, they took issue with his wearing a mask, <laughs> so they they go to smash his face again with their attaché case after having ripped off the mask. Um, and even their manager, Jimmy, the mouth of the South heart, who is basically the James Madison of pro professional wrestling. Um, he, uh, he even objects to this and it turns him face. And then Hulk Hogan comes back and chases them off. And it sets off a tag team match on WrestleMania nine between money Inc and Hogan and beefcake. Uh, oh. and it was, it was largely a nothing burger. What was that? Oh, okay. So this was WrestleMania nine. Yes. So Caesar's Palace. Caesar's Palace. Mm -hmm. How? Uh, Hulk Hogan goes on like sabbatical. Mm -hmm. uh, ninety four. Mm -hmm. WrestleMania nine is ninety five. No, no, no. Uh, Hogan goes on sabbatical ninety two, ninety three. Ninety two, ninety three. WrestleMania nine is uh, April of ninety three. Okay. Yeah. Okay. April ninety three. Mm -hmm. I am not born yet. Oh, okay. Maybe okay. this is what caused you to be conceived. Can we not? Okay. <laughs> not imply that. No, not so much. My parents have told me and I I hate it. <laughs> they were like, well, we were we could have finished building a snowman or and I'm like, stop. Or we're I having finish dinner. Inside. Oh what? Stop. 
Pass the gravy. Oh, I did. Oh, oh. Uh, so damn it. <laughs> I, I don't recommend this. Um, if you actually have the goal of getting laid, but sometimes a fun thing to do is to describe with perfect candor biologically what's happening as your dirty talk, and just be like, you know, the blood vessels in my penis are beginning to engorge and the blood is starting to rush back and forth there quicker than I, anywhere else. I know for a goddamn yeah. fact, I would end that with a black eye. <laughs> My girlfriend would have knocked me out. She's oh. like, stop it. No, You're gross. No, nah, so, it's fine. Anyway, uh, I'm, I'm just kind of soft pedaling you guys so that when we do spend an entire episode talking about Hulk Hogan's penis, you're not going to be so thoroughly off your cookies. So, uh, no, we still will be. It's it just, will, it like, won't be because I didn't try. Okay. okay um, fair. Fair. So, so he's I'm thinking now back tonight. to one of our previous episodes. <laughs> I'm thinking back to one of our previous episodes where you brought up the comics. Yes. And now I'm thinking, like, are you going to do that with his penis? Just send us a message with an image of his dick? No, no. Surprise. But, you know, the, the, the stills of him with, uh, Bubba the Love Sponge's wife. Um, yeah security cam it's good times there are things uh, that you should be grateful that i've looked at so you don't have to ed um i i regularly am (laughs) i i just want to say um yeah good the amount of the amount of time you've spent watching 90 sitcoms so i don't have to yeah yeah oh god just wait until you get to my 10-part series on small wonder so oh boy (laughs) and nobody patrick (laughs) so anyway so it's a dog shit of a match. It really is. It doesn't go particularly well. Hulk Hogan actually has, it looks like a busted orbit and there is no verifiable story as to how that happened. Some say it was a boating accident the day before. Others say Randy Savage punched him out because Savage was having marital troubles with Miss Elizabeth and Hogan and his wife, Linda were advising Miss Elizabeth on what to do. That's actually a true thing that happened. So some say that Randy punched him out. Some say it was a, a, there's like four different stories floating around. Um, None of which I've been able to verify in any way, but he has a enormous, like his eye is super bloody. Um, He talks up the main event, which is between Brett, the Hitman Hart, who has been champion. Yeah. Who's been champion for uh, quite some time. um, And Yokozuna, uh, who is a, a Japanese sumo wrestler who weighs over 500 pounds. Uh, a matter of fact, Yokozuna is actually a Samoan wrestler who is billed as a Japanese wrestler, because in a world where Italians can be uh, indigenous peoples, this makes sense. So yeah. he talks it up and he actually uses uh, the 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 racial slur for Japanese Americans um, when he's talking about it. He's like, is Bret Hart going to win or is it going to be that? And it just he flies through like real quick. But you're like, whoa, hmm. I, I think I have a screen cap of that somewhere. Um, anyway, uh, so Hogan gets himself insinuated to go on last at WrestleMania 9 after Bret Hart loses to Yokozuna, losing the title because Mr. Fuji throws sand in his eyes or salt in his eyes. And then Hogan comes out to help Bret Fuji challenges Hogan to a match immediately. He beats Yokozuna one, two, three in the middle of the ring and becomes a champion 
one last time. I think it's his fifth championship. Um, Yokozuna's champion for literally two minutes. This is considered the worst ra- wrestling match of WrestleMania history, um, period, not just for nine. Um, and this, uh, this was supposed to be a huge bump for the WWF going overseas to tour for a while in Europe. But the irony was that at the time, Bret Hart was the biggest draw in Europe that the WWF had. The double irony here is that Hulk Hogan didn't go on that tour and ended up dropping the belt to Yokozuna. Then he went to a different European tour, and then he let WWF promote Mr. Nanny before leaving the company for good, which really just means for nine years. Um, And then he went and did a couple shows in Japan, and then he was done beyond doing those. It's very weird. Um, But I would point out that he made sure that he went on last. He became the champion instead of the favorite champion that everybody had at that time, took the shine off of him and gave the belt back to the guy who'd beaten the champion and then left the company. Like really kind of screwed over Bret Hart in a lot of ways. And What's his relationship with Bret Hart? Bret is usually pretty bitter against most people. Um, okay. Bret takes wrestling very, very seriously. And I mean, this was money to him too. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Bret, Definitely carries a, a grudge about that. I I get I mean, the feeling that Hogan never really considers Brett. That's what yeah. I noticed. I feel bad for you. I don't think about you at all. Right. Yeah. Like to that. Me, it was just that Tuesday. kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in many ways, like Bret Hart has been frequently screwed over by the WWF and WWE. Yeah, I didn't uh, and, say he wasn't bitter without cause. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Yeah. Like, we got the Montreal screw job and mm-hmm. his own brother in many ways, too. Uh, yeah. Rest his soul. Uh, um, yeah. But, like... WCW just... fucked him over, got yeah. him, like, pushed Goldberg to the point where Brett got his career ended. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, it It's all, like... You know, they talk about family curses, and obviously the Von Erics are far more cursed than anyone yeah. else, but, like, the hearts are pretty high up there, too. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, one of their brothers died of a, a flesh-eating bacteria. Mm-hmm. Um, Brett had this incredible career, and it ends with just, like, a debilitating concussion followed by a stroke, and yeah, then Owen dies, you know, Literally. or Owen dies first and then Brett gets his career ended and, you know, the screw job and all that. I mean, it, it, and then half the guys who married into that family get killed or mm-hmm. die. So it's, yeah. And this, yeah. I want to know because a lot of it, a lot of it, WWE is scripted and stuff like that. Was that planned that he would just, Hulk Hogan would come in and win that within a few minutes? That belt and then just Hogan went and convinced Vince McMahon that this would be good for business. Um, probably like two days before uh Mania started. So the plan wasn't that. And Hogan actually I think he says it in his autobiography where he basically swung for a home run and he was surprised to get uh contact. He, you know, he was like, Okay, cool. That worked out a pretty good deal for me because champion back then meant you got paid top of the card money. Yeah. Um, and, and so he he basically he was a little surprised that his ask was answered. Um, mm-hmm. And again, there's no discussion of how he considers Brett. Yeah. And to me, right off the bat, this is like, OK, he's probably telling Vince that, like, hey, I just want to go in 
and then I'll give the belt right back. Yeah. Basically saying like, hey, I want to end my career as a champion. Well, and uh, let me do the tour for you. And his career. Yeah. Yeah. Let me (laughs) definitely. But yeah, let me do the tour for you um, as champion. I think that'll be a bigger draw for everyone. You don't want it to, you know, be anyone else. Yeah. And Vince still stuck on Hulkamania. And, you know, yeah, this seems like a good idea. And remember, this is before the 94 testimony. This is mm-hmm. 93. Yep. So, and then Hogan ends up, like, everything that, and that's what's so confusing about it. Everything that Hogan, like, advertised it as to Vince ends up not coming to pass, Um, which is just odd. So... And again, they took Brett with them overseas, and Brett wasn't the champion, and Brett was the biggest draw they had internationally. So it's very weird. It is. Um, so yeah, Hulk Hogan's done with wrestling, as it seems, in 1994, uh, by the summer of 94. And in all honesty, it did, really did seem like he was done. Uh, he was moving on to TV and movies, like I said, Mr. Nanny, um, which came out just after WrestleMania 9. So that makes sense. Um, unsurprisingly, it doesn't do well. It cost roughly $10 million to make and only made back $6 million. Um, This was, interestingly, the first movie that uh, he made as Terry Hulk Hogan. So he's blending theater and reality a bit now. Remember, so, he, was, he was Hulk Hogan. Okay. Yeah. yeah, no, he's starting to, he's starting to, in a lot of ways, he wants to maintain his audience from WWE, right? Hulk Hogan. And but he wants to start to separate himself in a way, kind of like what Dwayne the Rock Johnson did. Precisely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what we're seeing now in some ways with John Cena. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. thing is, John Cena never really had a short nickname. You know, no. he, he was the doctor of thugonomics, but I think that was just an honorary degree. That was that was an honorary degree. Yeah. That's pr- close. That's, Ed, it's the that's same way. Side. You can become Doctor of Thugonomics the same way you can get into homeopathy and just yeah. print off a certificate. Exactly. I mean, I I am myself a minister in three different uh, churches uh, for very similar uh, very similar qualifications as being a a uh, a functional doctor and or a osteopath and or you know. A, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, essential oil salesman, if I wanted to be snake oil. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> so after that, uh, Hulk Hogan is filming a TV series for syndicated television called Thunder in Paradise as Terry Hulk Hogan. Um, I remember this very much, uh, because the production value was Baywatch level. So just that level of cheese that's just kind of put into the film stock. Um, it filmed in Florida near Orlando's Disney World and, by extension, Hulk Hogan's Tampa home. Tampa to Orlando is, I think, a couple-hour drive. Um, it's a simple show about former Navy SEALs driving a boat around and solving crimes. Um, so, like, if Baywatch aesthetic had a dumb love child with Navy SEALs the movie, you'd have this, right? Um it is to Baywatch Nights what tractor pulls are to professional wrestling. Just trying to give you a, a feel for how it goes. Um, it started as a <laughs> Ed is really confused as to which one's worse. That's that's a that's a tortured analogy. Like <laughs> I I kind of get where you're going with mm-hmm. it, but that's a high effort. That's a yeah. high effort analogy. Yeah. I, yeah. 
<laughs> it started as a direct to TV or direct to DVD film, but then they got a season that went from March to November, presumably trying to pick up on that sweet, sweet 1994 stoner late wake up demographic. Um, because at this time you didn't have Law and Order or ER or Charmed to run in that ten to noon spot on TNT. Uh, so this is the place where Hulk Hogan is on set. That and he meets Ric Flair. Uh, according to some, according to others, he met with Gene Okerlund. Uh, although Ric Flair says it was him, uh, Eric Bischoff says it was Ric Flair. So I'm kind of inclined to say it was Ric Flair. Anyway, Ric Flair approaches Hulk Hogan about working for the WCW. Here's what Ric Flair is doing in Florida. Um, WCW is now, I think, being run at this point by Eric Bischoff. And Eric Bischoff was looking for ways to cut costs. So they stopped doing live shows everywhere. And they just went to, because Disney said, why don't you film here? We'll let people watch for free. We won't charge you for for renting the place. So built-in audience, you can film over the course of two weeks, you can film three months worth of content. Let's do it. So that's why they're there. That's why Flair shows up on, on set. Uh, so Flair sets up the interview that brings Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff together. And Hulk Hogan was back in wrestling, not just collecting royalties on all the VHS cassettes that Titan was selling. Thunder in Paradise was also a vehicle to get a quick payday um, and SAG cards for wrestlers. Uh, here's a list of the people who were on the Thunder in Paradise, which only lasted like less than 24 episodes. Jimmy Hart, Brutus Beefcake, Jim Neidhart, Giant Gonzalez, Sting, Typhoon or Tugboat, depending on where you want to call them, or the Shockmaster, if you prefer. Um, they all got spots on the show. Um, it's also at this time that Hulk Hogan testified against Vince McMahon in the trial that went nowhere and did even less. So, um, it's June of 1994. Go ahead, Andrew. No, nothing. I have oh. nothing. I'm just okay. wrapping my brain around what's going on. Sure. So now it's June of 94. Hogan goes to WCW, which is a market that he's never been in before, right? And he had come back as Hulk Hogan, this time to a song called American Made, which if you remember what he first came out to was Real American, right? American Made feels like the Hydrox version of I Am a Real American. Um, It's, <laughs> yeah. Hydrox came out first. Yes, but its yeah. flavor tastes like it's pretending to be Oreo. Bear. Yeah. But, all right. Yeah. Like, right. I mean, if, if I told you to go lick Adam's shin and then go lick uh, Eve's shin, you'd be like, well, Eve is clearly the one whose shin I want to keep licking. And somebody's like, oh, well, you know, Eve was made from Adam. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Same thing. Fair. Fair. So, uh, anyway, um, Hogan's looking to remake all the magic that he'd made before. So he doesn't change very much. Still the red and the blue. Or I'm sorry, the red and the yellow. Still the American things. He brings in Mr. T right away. He brings in a lot of celebrities, actually. He brings in Shaquille O'Neal. Um, and he recorded training vignettes with George Foreman. All of this in 1994. So think about the star power here. First off, that he brings with him to WCW. 
But also think about the fact that he's using three black athletes and celebrities in 1994 in an Atlanta-based company that had just two years earlier gotten rid of a man named Cowboy Bill Watts at the urging of Hank Aaron because Bill Watts made racially insensitive remarks about a restaurant owner's right to discriminate based on color in Atlanta. So in Mm. some ways, Hogan is being used to scrub clean being used to legitimize WCW likes black people. Remember, they had had the first black uh, NWA champion, Ron Simmons, just two years earlier. Um, And so this is part of that. This is also getting, I mean, Shaquille O'Neal was enormous at this time, right? This is 94. He'd been drafted. I mean, he's still enormous. Well, true. (laughs) Yeah. But like he captured everybody's imagination at that time. He was bringing, yanking down backboards. They changed basketball for him. Like every team had three centers on it now who would just, their job was to foul the shit out of Shaq every night. Um, He is huge in the American mindset in 1994. Um, Just really good upstart shit. And he's right there in Orlando because he's part of the Orlando Magic, right? Um, Yeah. George Foreman is having his comeback. You know, uh, he, he ends up being champion. Um, he also has the George Foreman grill, which I don't know if I talk about this later, but, uh, Hulk Hogan claims that because he didn't answer the phone, the grill people decided to call George Foreman next. It's Hulk Hogan. (laughs) I mean, you got to take it with a salt lake. Uh, but you remember how big that fucking grill was as far as Mm. the the public imagination? Again. Yeah. You might not Andrew, but. I uh, know I still oh. know it. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Like it's uh, it's so embedded into our cultural zeitgeist. Right. Uh you think of like a grill, you might think George Foreman associated with it. That's true. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. So, he's bringing three black athletes to Atlanta-based company in Florida for a lot of the summer. Um and he's bringing the red and the yellow and he's bringing the Americana all to this Southern wrestling company that Ted Turner owns. Um, and because he's bringing all of these celebrities to the WCW, and since Ted Turner has such deep pockets, Ted Turner doesn't mind the cost. And this is later going to lead to Kevin Green of the Green Bay Packers and then like three other teams. Um, Dennis Rodman, Carl Malone, while they're actually dueling it out on the basketball court then they're dueling it out in the wrestling ring brings in jay leno brings in so many celebrities all who are there to do business with hulk hogan and since ted turner was putting wcw on national tv this means that even more mainstream appeal and presence for hulk hogan again so yet again he's coming in and he's riding this rising wave and getting everybody to recognize him and his brand. Now, as I'd said, um, oh, you know what? Actually, I think this might be a better, a good place to end because uh, we're going to turn Hulk Hogan bad guy next. No. Wait, we're going to, we're going to turn him bad guy. Yeah. Well, we're going to, we're going to see him uh, go from the red and the yellow to the white and the black. And we'll revisit the NWO ever so many okay. so i actually think this is a really good place to end it um because okay. hulk hogan has brought in all this attention mm. for two years for from 94 until 96 because it's at bash of the beach in june of 96 that he turns bad guy 
Um, okay. But uh, so for two years, he's bringing all kinds of celebrity power. He is bringing all kinds of mainstream legitimacy to WCW and making them seem like they actually are a viable second company to the WWF. And it's on his back that this is doing. But also, this is when, you know, the greatest sin happens, um, postamania. Um, but uh, but at the same time, like all, all these things are happening, he is getting rich and his image is getting out there. So, yeah. All right. So mm-hmm. that's where we'll stop uh, for this episode. Uh, what have you fellas gleaned? Ed, we'll start with you. Okay. Um, it It is becoming more obvious as we go along uh, how Hogan is rising to the crow's nest and then jumping off the ship as it sinks. Ooh, yes. You know, he's he's making sure he gets his own out of it and then he's moving on. Mm-hmm. And there's all all like he he is he is Teflon for whatever reason, because people think that, you know, people think they need to protect him for their own interests or because they they somehow think that um, I can't imagine anybody feeling like they owe him anything because that he he uses people up and, and discards them. Mm-hmm. But but there is this there's the sense that like, well, you know, he is so synonymous with the business that we need to protect him because if he goes down, we're all fucked. Yeah. And the parasite and, overtakes the host. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah. when and and like when we started this whole journey, I was like, okay, well, you know, how how conscious is this? Is this just like, you know, he's chance the gardener and like, you know, right. He 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 has this, he has all this luck. And the longer it goes on, the harder it is for me to hold on to that opinion. Like, no, he knows how he whether it's whether it's a conscious scheming okay look this is like i've i've got this mastermind long arc thing going on or if it's just he has an intuitive genius for reading the tea leaves you know like right. i i i'm i'm in this position right now i want to stay in this position on top you know the the momentum is moving this direction that's the way i need to shift right mhm and I think it's I think it's a, it's more of the latter. I I still don't see him as like a mastermind, right? But I do think there is a definite, uh, th- there is an awareness of, okay, the best direction for me to go is going to be this way. Yeah, it feels like and, he's not the one pulling the fire alarm, but he's the guy who loots all the desks when the fire alarm gets pulled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. You know? That is that is a really good. Yeah, I, so, I yeah, I like that. Yeah, you know, and he's, yeah, just I never thought of him like I never thought of him as being a dummy, but I never right. I never quite realized the extent to which no, he actually has meaningful like savvy mm-hmm. that he has that he has leveraged. Yeah, um, that, that narcissistic selfish throughout this entire arc. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, that yeah. I mean, that's that's, that's right also time. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, I I need to I need to you know get my ass out of here because you know the good <laughs> the good doctor is going down and and Vince might be going down with him. So mm-hmm. toodles. You know. Yep. yep. Um you know, and consistently managing your frame things in a way that he, he doesn't wind up. He, he, he manages to hurt himself. Like in that Arsenium interview, it's like, Oh my God, dude, what the fuck? But he never manages to come off looking like the bad guy. No. Yeah. Even when, he kind of is, <laughs> you know, uh, even, even when, you know, well, you know, I just figured I'd go ask for this and, you know, Hey, he agreed to it. Yeah. What are you going to do? Like, dude, you just, you just fucked over, you know, a, a dedicated professional in your field, like one of your colleagues for however many years. Well, you know, this is a business. And, yeah, and 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 part of it might be because of his own narcissism and him not not understanding the hurt that's involved there, mm-hmm. because of because of just disconnect and and a a morality or a you know lack of empathy. But it's it's yeah yeah no okay. it it you you said you said a moment ago we're gonna we're gonna turn him into the bad guy and I'm like uh, he's kind of already there. Well, and it's becoming it's becoming ever more complicated not to see him that way. Mm-hmm. Well, for yeah. me, yeah, um, yeah, for me, how to say, I, listening to other people like talk about Hulk Hogan or a podcast where they talk about him, uh, a lot of times it seems like they would talk about him like a, he's an idiot, but right. Yeah, but coming from this, he he is very media savvy. He knows how to present his image. So I'm just going to dive into communication study stuff. Yeah, Image is the way we want others to perceive us. And we go through different types of behavioral behavioral adjustments through identity management. Uh, And these things could be influenced by ourselves and others. So thinking about like a job interview, for example, uh, you're you're being influenced by the job on how you want to present yourself. We also manage multiple images, how we interact with our family or how we interact with our friends, how we interact with other people. Sure. But it's also very complex. And it ultimately comes about with these ABCs of communication, appearance, behavior and communication. But we also have this idea known as face uh, coined by Irving Goffman. It's basically our desired public image or a way a certain way that we want others to see and think of us and we work to maintain that image. Hulk Hogan, he is very aware of who his audience is at different points in time it seems like. And so he goes about with face works, uh the behaviors we use to project our desired image. On our on uh Arsenio Hall show, his mm-hmm. audience is much more younger. He is presenting he is going on more defensive because he wants to maintain that younger audience. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is trying to present himself in certain ways. That's where I, I, I was really interested when he said the statement, eat your uh, what did he say? Take your vitamins and say your nightly prayers. Right. That is taking that's trying to appeal to certain types of like 
values or certain types of like positive values people might see. And he's trying to present his image in that way while also well, saying like the media is lying about this. Right. And, and remember he is going on there as nominally as Hulk Hogan, but he's being Terry Bollea. And at the yeah. same time, the, the train say your prayers, eat your vitamins and believe yourself. Those are called the four demandments that Hulk Hogan has been saying since 1985 when he started selling children okay. vitamins. Um, so he's using a slogan. Okay. I don't think Hogan we talked slogan. about that part. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Um, it, yeah. it, or, or it popped up in a, in a prior episode. But yeah, so those, but he's Maybe. still pulling on those, those, um, those aspects of Americana while also playing mm -hmm. I Am a Real American coming down to the ring. And by the time exactly. he's on Arsenio in 91, he has already done the I'm an American fighting the Iraqi sympathizer thing too. Yep. So, or 92 rather. Uh, so like there is, and, and, you know, you talk about face and, and, and that kind of thing. And I think how much more turned up to 11 is it when it comes to kayfabe, especially. So there are three components to face uh -huh. uh, and we call them face needs. These are the components for a desirable in it image mm -hmm. autonomy, mm -hmm. which is, which is all about feeling like you can, you're avoiding being opposed by upon mm -hmm. by others competence others respect or acknowledge our abilities and intellect mm -hmm. as well as fellowship being being liked and accepted and so what we're seeing a lot of is him playing to those in a lot of ways but Quite the other so. thing yeah another thing because i have to relate him to trump in many ways um you made the point his come his uh entrance music was i'm a real american mm -hmm. as well as oh what was the other thing american uh those made? oh the the values he promoted yes. the the, the um, three demandments that then turned into four demandments two of the rhetorical styles that mm -hmm. trump always uses is ad populum mm -hmm. uh, which is the idea of like treating popularity as a value so those values in many ways are being presented in a popular way mm -hmm. but the other thing that trump loves to do is uh using the rhetoric of american exceptionalism Right. We can do no wrong. We are amazing. And he's playing to that, too, with his uh, persona as well as his entrance music. But going back to the idea of face needs and mm -hmm. how he adapts to his audience, think about comparing him on Arsenio Hall, where he's constantly rejecting that he's ever used steroids. Mm -hmm. And then going on to the trial where he admits he used steroids before they were illegal. Right. Um, who is his audience? Arsenio Hall is younger demographic. Right. He can be a little bit more aggressive. He can be like more defensive. Who's watching the trial? Yeah, a judge, someone who could sentence you to perjury. Well, on uh, on TV. Yeah. Oh, remember, it's not making it because Ted Turner oh. didn't get the rights well, uh, well, to do it. Was it still aired? Uh, it is still public record, and yeah. I mean, I've watched parts of the testimony, and it's still being reported on. So he's mm -hmm. got media exposure for it, absolutely, yeah, yeah. including it's clips not gonna that be... get shown on the nightly news. But it's not going to be his fan base who's going to be watching it. They're not going to be the ones who are going to seek it out. Right. He's focusing more on like who is his primary audience, and he presents himself in that way. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to um, that trial. He's mm -hmm. still trying to maintain his sense of autonomy and competence in a lot of ways, as well as his fellowship. I'm friends with Vince. 
Um, right. I am knowledgeable about this, but I have autonomy. Uh, I w- this these these pills, these supplements weren't pushed on me, or Vince didn't push it on me. I mm-hmm. use them too, mm-hmm. so he's still maintaining this type of image that that is still in many ways his control. Irvin Goffman yep. argues that life is like a performance. What we're seeing a lot of is Hulk Hogan, Terry Bradshaw, um, uh, Terry Bollea. A ter- Terry Bollea. What's going on very, with me? Very different. Very different. Guy. I realized Terry once Bradshaw. I said Bradshaw. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Terry Bollea yeah. um, is constantly presenting an image. He's constantly performing. Who is Terry Bollea? Who is he really? I'm, I'm sorry, but after you said that, I, I pictured Terry Bradshaw in, in you know, a, a red and yellow muscle shirt. <laughs> with a handlebar mustache? With, with, with a handlebar mustache. And of course. Yeah. I need somebody to Photoshop that now because, yeah. So Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. He, he He's very good at maintaining his image and mm-hmm. presenting a certain type of face. Because the other big thing you made the point about, um, when he left they didn't really have the audience because Hulk Hogan technically is WWF. He's crafted his image and you can't separate the two. Hell, Hulkamania, WrestleMania. Yeah. Like they're interconnected. Oh yeah. To the point where again, this is a major storyline in WrestleMania 19 between him and Vince. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with, with you at all on this. Like, where goes Hogan goes to WWF for a yeah, while. Yeah, and then um, the thing that also interests me is, um, as well as with the WCW, where they're trying to create a certain type of image that were more inclusive and, and more uh, accepting of other performers, while kind of in many ways imitating what WWF did mm-hmm. to start promoting themselves like they're getting these big name celebrities to help associate the wcw like mm-hmm. what wwf did absolutely like the first mania was and and the, the war to settle the score and the the brawl to end it all all of those had a lot of celebrity appearances so mm-hmm. absolutely yeah and and that's you know i think that's one of the reasons that Hulk Hogan gets stale and needs to turn heel in WCW. And we talked about this all the way back to episode five was that the culture of WCW wrestling of a Southern based company is not the same culture as WWF wrestling a Northern based culture. And because those cultures are different, it called for Hulk Hogan to do something different. And that, that genius that he has for media, that savvy that he has for understanding media, which I, again, is very, as you said, it's popular. It's very Trumpian um, yeah. because Barack Obama was also very populist in a lot of ways, but not not in the ways that Hogan and Trump were. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but uh, but yeah, it's, it's very that that savvy that he has. Allowed him to extend his career and make money hand over fist for those years, the, the amount of money that he was contracted to be paid by WCW and by Ted Turner, which were two separate sources of income for him. Um, (laughs) We'll get into that later. Um, It's amazing. He got a, like if a, if he, if he showed up on a pay-per-view, he'd make Mm $250,000 just for appearing. And there was one pay-per-view where 
that was basically their gate, their live gate was about 250k and he showed up with no advertisement whatsoever, which is like why are you doing that? You just zeroed out your live monies. But they had a different business model than than was the norm. So they were like, "No, but that controversy creates cash. That gets people interested in what might happen next time." So they're going to, you know, and it was a TV company and all yeah. this. It's all kinds of wild. But you're right. It's his his acumen for media is he can be an idiot with all the other things. I don't think he is, but he could be. And he's still really good with media stuff. Similar to Trump. Trump has a yeah. genius for this. Yeah. Stable yeah. genius. Yeah. Very yeah. Um, stable with all the best words. Exactly. He has all the best words, um, which also making me also realize a little bit more where his image comes about, um, where when he compared himself to Clarence Thomas, yes. he's trying to create a sense of sympathy through that type of image management. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it went, it, you made the point, it didn't go well, and I completely would agree. Um, but that's what he's trying to do. I think he also tries to figure out different types of life. With that in mind, I think he takes consciousness of what's happening outside of the wrestling sphere and tries to mm -hmm. pull it in in many ways. So he can associate himself with other things to get his image to spread outside of that wrestling sphere. Yeah. And the thing about that is, though, is that we saw early in his WWF career, at least, um, with the exception of playing Thunderlips, he then dove into the WWF and pretty much only worked for them and with them and was mm -hmm. highly concentrated. I mean, yeah. there was that one TV show that did not go well. Um, and then and then once he leaves the WWF, then he starts to kind of branch out. But then once he gets into WCW, he mostly only does like a few movies here and there. And they're ones where the production, he can work around his wrestling schedule. So he stays very concentrated in the wrestling, despite the kind of, you know, filtering out that he does in between wrestling. But yeah. Yeah. So. Well, cool. Uh, since I got you here, uh, what are you recommending people read or take in or imbibe? So after my back got a little bit better, I decided to go and celebrate. And I went to see a movie that I don't know, maybe you all heard of it. It's not really that big or popular right now. It's Spider-Man. Uh, <laughs> it was it. Uh, yeah, it's across the Spider-Verse. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yep. It's it's literally just art. It's just it, art. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a reason why those movies have been so successful. That the the, the its first one across the Spider Verse or in into the Spider Verse something. into the Spider Verse, yeah. and this one should and be this across the Spider Verse. Yeah. And the yeah. next one is the long and winding Spider Verse, I think. Um, but. Uh... But I think one of the reasons they're so successful is because uh, comic books are inherently a illustrated medium. So animation is a really yeah. easy branch over. I also really like generally the plot in this way, because mm -hmm. it, it, in a lot of ways, it's kind of basically calling out the audience who rejected Miles Morales yes. as like, oh, you're not really Spider-Man. And they're basically saying, no, anyone can be. Mm -hmm. Um enjoy our story <laughs> yeah yeah i would agree all right ed what about you 
Um, well, I'm going to uh, make a complete departure and recommend uh, reading, actually reading, not watching the films, but reading uh, The Fellowship of the Ring. Um, oh. I am in the process of reading it to my son. Mm. And he's a little young for it, so his his uh, his his attention waxes and wanes. Uh, but it's what we're reading for story time in the evenings before his bedtime. And Peter Jackson made what I think is the best possible adaptation of the book to film. Mm. Having said that, um there are an awful lot of things that got left on the script writing floor. Um, there are multiple chapters of the book that you don't, you don't, you don't see any of the, the movie, the movie obliterates um, significant portions of the Hobbit's journey to uh, Rivendell. Um, largely because it would be very hard to make Tom Bombadil a a an easy character to to deal with on mm-hmm. film mm-hmm. um but by eliminating tom bombadil there are several major events that are very powerful on the page um tolkien doesn't get enough credit for being able to write scary shit in my opinion and i i strongly recommend reading the fellowship of the ring in order to uh experience that story in its original in its original format with all of those parts intact oh awesome so that that's now having having said all of that um what do you got damien what are you recommending for oh anybody? I'm, I'm actually gonna say uh i'm also gonna recommend a film um and it's uh, called The Wrestler. Came out in I think two thousand eight. It's the Mickey Rourke one. Um, it does a really good job of depicting the the drug scenes that we discussed tonight. Um, and you can get a real feel for just how immersed uh, all of that was into. And you know, it's a fictional movie, and it has drawn rave reviews and awful reviews from professional wrestlers. Um, and usually the ones who were retired are like, yeah, this shit was dead on. And the ones who still are looking to stay hired, uh, are, are a little less, uh, charitable toward it, but it is some really good acting. It gets into the aspects of masculinity and, um, just body mortgaging, um, and comparing to sex work even, um, that I think a lot of discussions of wrestling don't get into. I think Mickey Rourke did a really good job of being very vulnerable for those kinds of things. Um, so it's a, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic movie. Um, it will depress you. So have ice cream on hand afterwards. Um, cause Perfect good plan. to know. Oh, good to Jesus. know. Yeah. So yeah, cool. Um, well, uh, let's see by the end of this recording i think the best place you could probably find me would be on i'm gonna say september 8th uh for capital punishment at at luna's in sacramento and maybe october 6th so that's where you can find me ed is there anywhere you want to be found uh well not right now um soon but not right now okay 
cool. Uh, and how about yourself there, Andrew? Where would you like to be found, if at all? Well, for the most part, I would like to be found on like TikTok. You can follow me on TikTok at prof.suds. Um, if this is coming out like around September, uh, you might, because I know how popular this podcast is, uh, there's a high chance my one of my students might be listening. So do nice. your homework. There you go. <laughs> cool. Well, you know, Andrew, thank you again for joining us uh, for this descent into That's my madness pleasure. as we get closer and closer to Hulk Hogan's penis. Um, so, inch by inch, right? I, I wish you'd stop saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Oh really? God! What you gonna do when these twenty-four inch? Anyway, uh, so God damn it. <laughs> So for a geek history of time, the fact that it's plural is what bothers me there. Right. Uh, for a geek history of time, uh, Andrew, uh, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Damien Harmony, and I'm Ed Blaylock. And until next time, keep rolling twenties. <laughs>